the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Despite various ages and generations, there are certain movies that everyone can identify lines from without little recall. For instance, if I say, may the force be with you, in church, you might first respond and with your spirit, but after a pause, you'd naturally go, well, no, no, that's from what? It's from Star Wars. If I asked you, where did this come from? There's no place like home. You'd envision who? Dorothy clicking two red slippers in what film? The Wizard of Oz. And if I were to tell you, well, that's elementary, dear Watson, you would know what movie I was referring to without little hesitation. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, the first of which dates back to 1939, with many renditions since then. Let's try one more. If I were to tell you, my mama always told me life was like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you never know which one you're going to get. Who would you envision on a bench? Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump, right? You see, there are lots of scenes that we can recall with little hesitation. And the reason I bring this up is hopefully the same should be true for us of Scripture. And in fact, um, John, in the opening of his gospel, employs such a tactic right in the beginning, in John 1.1. If you follow along in your Bible or your bulletin this morning or in person on the screens, take a look at what I mean. It begins with, in the beginning. Now, that should take us to a particular place in Scripture, which is the book of beginnings, Genesis which opens in the very same manner, in the beginning, and it carries on as we hear how God created and brought all things into being. You see, John wants to flag this for us so that we don't miss, in the opening of his gospel, a new beginning, a new start. He doesn't want to miss us to miss that this same creator God who flung galaxies into being at the mere mention of their name and called everything into existence through his word is now starting something new, something marvelous in his beloved creation. Yet unlike that first beginning, this one will reach the climax that God always intended. And despite his note that there's something new, there is a constant between this beginning and the very beginning. In fact, back in verse 1, if we were to read on, we see that in the beginning was who? The Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was the one that was there from the very start who spoke all things into being. And so what John does in opening in such a manner in verse 1 and 2 and then repeating it down in verse 14, he's bookending to tell us everything in between is about this new start and this word who is about to enter into the world for our sake. Everything points to what that word has done 
and the inextricable way in which that word is tied to God. He's phrasing it in a way that seems abstract, but if we pause and think about it, it makes perfect sense to us. When I speak a word, it's tied to me. In fact, um, if you don't have kids, you can think back to your own childhood. Um, we turn these things around as children on our parents all the time, and um, parents often hear it. When you say something, you always hear this somewhere along the way. But you said, I could have a cookie. You said, I could go to someone's house. You said, I could hear a movie. Any time that we say something, the word is tied to the one who says it. And so in many ways, what John is doing is tying the word to God and pointing to the connection that you can't separate. And as he points to this, and as he builds toward this, and finally in verse 17, as he shows us who this word is, namely Jesus, he's trying to show us that this grand introduction to Jesus' entrance onto the scene is something that's familiar to us. It's not new, it's not other than, it's not um, abstract, but the person, the word incarnate, is someone he's introducing to us that we understand and that we see, John seems to say. It's this word who was there from the beginning, that spake into the darkness, that created light. It was this word, this Jesus, who would enter the dark world. And sadly, even despite the familiarity one should have in connecting these things. The saddest commentary, perhaps, um, in Scripture is the one that shows us in this passage that the world could not even recognize or identify this word. That they loved the darkness so much that they could not see, or as we see in the Gospels unfold, could not bear the light in their midst. We know that this word that spoke them into being, who loved us, um, is purposing something new in his creation, namely the relationship that was intended from the beginning in the book of beginnings, but because of the choice of humanity departed from that perfect relationship. And now it's going to be set back in motion or continued, per se, um, to reach its full expectation. And here that word, this Jesus, is calling the word world back to himself. And this time, when we read in verse 14 that he does so not through the law, but through the grace of God and the truth revealed in the Word incarnate in Jesus Christ. And for we who reflect on this this morning, this first Sunday after Christmas, we're reminded that we are a people who are likewise folded into the family of God. And indeed, therein is our new beginning. As we move through this Christmas season, and certainly as we move through this week, which reaches the end of a rather arduous year, new starts and new beginnings are on everyone's mind. We've discovered in the months past, in all that we've been through, through this pandemic, what is most important. We've gained perspective this year of what truly matters in the frantic pace of life. We've been reminded that the toils of this life and all the things that we build around us in our activities and dreams and aspirations pale in comparison to something greater. 
In fact, all the things of this life and the trappings therein at times can leave us in darkness. And we've sat in the darkness of these days amidst the loneliness, among the familiar faces that we come and go from every day, but perhaps who we haven't even spent sufficient time with in our own households at times due to missed opportunities and all the other things that fill our days. We sat in the darkness of situations and jobs that were blessings, but we took for granted until they were cut back or lost. We sat in the darkness of so many things, and now we look for light and brighter days. We've sat in the darkness of the deceit of the human heart and the mumbling and grumbling, even though we say we're all in it together, but our vices remain unchecked as we live otherwise. We sat in the darkness of these days, longing for new beginnings. And so many this week place their hope on a new year, a fresh start. And these words, in the beginning, hold great hope and meaning. But the opening verses of John's gospel before us ring out as a reminder to say nothing we can do, no turn of the calendar, no change in the pandemic, no new beginning we resolve in our lives will bring about light. Only God can do that. Only the Word incarnate Jesus Christ can do that. Only He can cast away the darkness of the human heart and illumine this darkened world. So as we sit and reflect on that this morning, we're invited to see these words as indeed a new beginning, as the Word proclaimed therein in Jesus catches our full attention. They're words of hope. Words that ring forth in the midst of these days to remind us where light comes from and to allow us the opportunity once more to embrace them and to align our lives more fully with them in the days to come. But it's also a chance to pray and embrace and do our part in shining forth in word and deed in the darkness around us among a world that fumbles around looking for light and direction in so many places that they cannot find, apart from what we see, what we hear, and what we believe captured in these words. So how do we do that? How do we embrace that more fully next year? How do we shine forth in a darkened world? And how do we allow the light to chase forth the darkness in our own hearts and lives? Well, believe it's as simple as being more fully in God's Word, to walk in accordance with His ways, to get to know this Word described in these verses more wholly in our lives, to grow in familiarity with Him, and to allow our lives to be marked with such ready recall as we can with those movie lines and so many other things that may clutter our minds on instant recall, that Scripture should be the same, that the Word incarnate that indwells our hearts and minds should be on our lips just as quickly as the many things that we can instantly remember without little prompting, to be so immersed in the Word that it transforms first our own hearts and then the world around us as we allow that lasting hope to abide within us. How do we do that? Well, one way that we've been praying about, got off my slides here for quite some time, <laughs> is this. I mentioned it when we began. 
One beautiful thing that we're going to begin to offer is a Bible study that's not just for us. It's for the whole community. Um, it, it's for those outside our bounds, um, those who want to be students of God, God's Word and immersed more fully in it. It's um, something I've prayed about for at least five years that's finally come into fruition, um, that we can be a hub whereby we can be a place, a center, a hub for learning God's Word. And what's unique about this Bible study um, in relation to all the others you could pick up at any bookstore or download for free offline is to use the old adage, this Bible study shows you how to fish rather than just giving you a fish. A lot of Bible studies are easy to access. They just give you manuals to read or a video to watch or a workbook to work through, but they don't really get you asking the questions, how could I get to the point where I could produce such a thing? How could I get to the point where I could disciple my own family or those around me? How do I engage the text um, in such a way that I could do that on my own? Um, in, in, in reality, I hope to work myself out of a job. That's my goal. That's Father Greg's goal, um, that in many ways, um, we teach you how to fish. And in so doing, we'll always be a resource for you. But we're not the answer, guys. We're not the keepers of the keys. We just want to show you the ways in which you can engage God's Word in your own life and in the lives of those around you. And when you do that, it transforms everything. And it begins not jumping to application first and foremost, but you back into what's the text saying, what's the context, what's happening, where are the cross-references, all those kinds of things. A study like this patterns you in a way that you do it, and then you begin to find how to engage it. So I share that because this will be our focus in the winter and in the spring, because I think there's no higher goal. And in the midst of a pandemic, when there's so many things we're coming off of, um, we don't want to overcomplicate it. This will be the thing which we devote ourselves to in the next uh, semester, so that we may grow in it and so that we may be a hub uh, where others may do so as well. We've got lots of inquiries already from around the city and around the diocese, and we hope that it will bear much fruit uh, as we steward our site as a place of learning for God's Word. The beginning before us is with us, and it's only there in that beginning in our own hearts and lives that we allow the Word to transform us and to bring all that we see around us into a newness and a freshness, a new start we see in the person of Jesus. So in the days ahead, it's my prayer that we'll grow more fully into the likeness of the Word, Lord Jesus Christ, who transforms the darkness in our lives and will allow us to shine in a bright way in a darkened world to the glory of his name. It's my prayer that this light will shine forth, that as we remember at the end of this reading, the promise therein is that the darkness cannot, will not, and never has or ever will be able to overcome that dark, that light, that light of Jesus Christ that is illumined for us first in the pages of Scripture, but then is activated more fully as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And as we do so, no matter what comes, what may, in the months, the weeks, the years, the decades ahead, that light will carry us forth into His presence forevermore. I pray that it will transform us and so transform our city, our community, and the world as we allow that to reside deep within us to the glory of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Amen.